Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. Grateful to be together in the Lord's presence. Here at All Saints, we are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. What's interesting about that moment that we shared together, the Lord is working with us in different ways, but I had a sense while I was speaking that, I mean, I was just sensing God's heart for the nations and for people and that he fills us up, not just so we can enjoy it and find joy in him, that's part of it, but it's so that he can send us out. And then those words started to explain that. And then I had someone else come up who's been at the church a few times and she had a vision of a tree shaking out acorns and those acorns were falling onto a world map and becoming trees that root down. And so the Lord, it was just a a message. I fill you up so I can send you out just like Pentecost. Amen. I think we have a connect card. Can we put that up there? I have not been remembering that. Sorry to the media team. Thank you to our media team back there. They're amazing. Thank you. So if you want to share your information so that we can send you information and keep you posted on events and groups and other things like that, you can text that number right there, ending in 6538. Thank you. So are you in uh, Acts 28? This is the final message in the book of Acts. And then as I've mentioned, we're going to shift gears and do a little uh, shorter series on stewardship and giving because that is a part of being a church that sends and goes is that God entrusts resources to us and we have integrity in that. We wanna be open and transparent and good stewards and give away as much as we can as we become a church like Antioch, sending out and planting churches. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this final section in the book of Acts and we pray that you would, Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus and speak through your word with great power. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, here we are, friends. Message 45 in the book of Acts. And we like to walk through the scriptures like this so that we hear the full message of books and chapters in the Bible. And we've been looking at this book of Acts, which is part two of Luke Acts. So we got the gospel of Luke first, and then we have the continuation of the ministry and presence of Jesus through his church. And we've talked about this a little bit. I've tried to not lay out too many dates, but we've been looking at a window of about 30 years from the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, roughly 33 through about 63 AD. So we've seen what's been going on over these three decades. And just a few quick highlights before we look at this final chapter, because there's a lot of overlap. There's threads that are laid out in the first chapter that are woven through the entire book. So if you remember way back last year when we started this, we found in the opening chapter of the church, the disciples, the apostles, 
120 of them were gathered, waiting in Jerusalem, and Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and that they would be the witnesses of Christ locally and translocally throughout the world. And then the promise of Jesus, the promise of the Father was fulfilled in the very next chapter, which we read about, Acts chapter 2. The promise is fulfilled at Pentecost, and it's called Pentecost because it's 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. And so we begin to see there the fulfillment of what Jesus said, the Spirit's going to come upon you, and then you're going to take the gospel of the kingdom to the nations, to the very ends of the earth. And so we've been looking at this for a year, what Jesus promised in Matthew 28 that there would be a disciple-making movement that would go to every nation on the planet. And friends, we're sitting here as a result of what happened 2,000 years ago. This is what I called an electrifying story. Have you enjoyed it? You enjoyed learning about some of your history, church history here? So they were planting churches throughout the Roman Empire, and beyond, and they were ministering like Jesus. So this is what we've been looking at. And today, we're going to find Paul in Rome. He's still a prisoner. And we're going to find him speaking about the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, the message of King Jesus. And he's, we're going to see it, how the way the chapter ends. He's paving the way. The Apostle Paul is paving the way for future Christians to follow his example and to also proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God, the message of King Jesus, and then to demonstrate it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's read uh, the first section here. We're gonna begin at verse 17 and read through verse 22. And what we're gonna see in this section is Paul, we're gonna look at it very quickly, and then we're gonna spend most of the time in 23 through 31. This is Paul and the Jewish leaders again, but this time in Rome beginning at verse 17. Three days later, and this is after Paul arrived to Rome, so three days after his arrival to Rome, and he's wearing chains, he's bound, he's under guard, one guard watching over him. He's three days later, after, three days later, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, he said to them, brothers, Though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, yet I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. When they had examined me, the Romans wanted to release me because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. So really what he's doing is recapping, summarizing the interactions that he's had with the Jewish leaders. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to the emperor even though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is for the sake of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken anything evil about you. But look at verse 22. But we would like to hear from you what you think. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. So Paul is interacting with the Jewish leaders here. 
He's sharing with him his innocence. Again, we've seen this six times. This is the sixth time that Paul has had to defend himself, stand before leaders. And we've seen him explaining himself to the Jews who were bringing false accusations against him. And then he's explaining to the Romans because the Jews actually want to put Paul to death and the Romans are saying, we're not finding that this man has done anything that makes him guilty and worthy of death. And so we've seen this repeated because Luke is writing this story to show the innocence of Christians in the early church. To show that to be a Christian means that you're a law-abiding citizen. To be a Christian, to follow Jesus, does nothing to undermine the rule of law. And so it is important what's laid out here. To be a Christian then, to be a Christian now, means that you're actually a wonderful citizen. You're an outstanding citizen. And there are times when our allegiance to Jesus supersedes all others. And so we're gonna see that even in this situation here. But that's really the gist. That's the essence of what's happening in verses 17 through 22. Now. Paul is saying here, look at verse 20, the end there. And this is, this is a beautiful picture, and Paul's going to reflect on this moment as he writes letters to the churches. What's he say that he's wearing? He's wearing a chain. And we saw some artists' renditions, some icons of that, so Paul has a chain, and we know it's on his right arm because we've learned from Roman history that's how they did it. So he would be shackled on his right arm, shackled to one of the Praetorian Guard members, a soldier. And so he's standing there with that chain clanking around as he's explaining his innocence. And Paul is going to look at 2 Timothy 2.9, and he's going to look back at this moment, and he's going to say, though I am chained, the gospel's not chained. The word of God can never be chained. And so Paul is standing there filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, filled with the power of the Word of God, and he's getting ready to transition into sharing his message for the final time. And he's saying, I may be bound here, I may be under guard, but you can be certain that the Word of God is never restrained. The Word of God, actually, when it's, people are seeking to shackle it, it spreads like wildfire. And that's what the whole book of Acts has been about, isn't it? We've seen the church experience pushback and persecution and the church only gets stronger. And the gospel only takes deeper root and becomes more powerful. Let's look at verses 23 through 31 and this is where we're gonna spend most of our time here. And what we're gonna find here is Paul is preaching Christ and the kingdom of God in Rome. And again, think about it. Paul has longed to see Rome. He's a good Jew faithful Jew, a Pharisee, really a Jew of all Jews, but he's also a passionate Roman citizen. And so like many at the time, he longed to see the glory and the beauty of Rome. So here he is in Rome and he is addressing his audience here. Look at verse 23. After they, that is the Jewish leaders, they set a day to meet him. They scheduled a time to come back. They came to him at his lodgings in great numbers. From morning until evening, Paul explained the matter to them. Look at this. Testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus. 
both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, while others refused to believe. So they disagreed with each other. And as they were leaving, Paul made one further statement. Of course he did. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, go to this people and say, you will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Look at verse 28. Let it be known to you then that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. So Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. Verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So we get the message, Dr. Luke, don't we? Do you see the themes that are there? What's the twofold theme that just comes up multiple times in this passage? What is Paul preaching? Kingdom of God and Jesus, the Lord Jesus. So that was his message then. It's been the message of the church for 2,000 years if you're faithful to scripture and it's our message now in 2023. So it's beautiful, large numbers here. Look at verse 23. They schedule a time for the Jewish folks to come and hear from him and large numbers of people are coming to him. And again, we've seen this over and over in the book. Paul goes first to the Jews and then he goes to the Gentiles. And so this is another moment here and there's gonna be something pivotal that happens. This is all day long. Paul is a man obsessed, isn't he? We saw that in Ephesus, he taught all day long, from sunup to sundown. So from morning till evening, Paul is speaking to the Jews here about the kingdom of God and about the Lord Jesus Christ. Very quickly, thumb back to the very beginning of this story. Acts chapter one, just look at it quickly. Move there in your Bible. If you've got a Bible, if not, you can grab a pew Bible there. I just want us as we end this book to see how the book started. It's important, isn't it? If you're thoughtfully reading any book, you always wanna pay particular attention to the opening and to the ending. How is this story framed? Well, this is how it's framed. Acts chapter one, I'm gonna read verses one through eight. And again, this is Luke at the beginning of this book saying this, in my first book, the gospel of Luke about Jesus. I told you, Theophilus, the gentleman he's writing, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Look at verse three. During the 40 days after Christ suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And what's it say here, church? 
And Jesus talked to them about the kingdom of God. So it's hugely important. It was the message of Jesus. It was the essence of his ministry, the coming rule and reign of God in his person. Once he was eating with them at verse four, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, what is it they ask him? Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? It's a key word there, our kingdom. They've got it wrong, don't they? It's not your kingdom. It's the Lord's kingdom. So he's going to correct them. He's going to say in verses 7 and 8, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times. Don't worry about it. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people, about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I take time to look at that so that you see Jesus at the beginning of the story talking about the kingdom of God. Now we could talk about that at great length and some of you were here when Derek Morphew, one of the great teachers, fathers in the faith and the vineyard movement talked for several days about the kingdom of God. You remember that. In essence, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God as the creator of all things. He made it all and therefore he owns it all and he rules over it all. Is that right? And yet in the scriptures, he promises that that rule and reign is going to break into human history through a particular person. And that person is the promised Messiah, a Messiah King who would be even greater than David. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is explaining to these Jewish people. He's saying, what I'm talking about here is not a matter of my opinion or private interpretation. It is promised in the scriptures. The Old Testament prophets declared that this day would come. Places like Psalm 2 predict that there would be a son, a king, who would inherit and rule over the nations. Daniel 7, there's a vision of one like a son of man who would rule with the ancient of days and that his kingdom would know no end. And so Paul is walking them through different scriptural promises about the kingdom of God. And then he was trying to convince them based on scripture that Jesus fulfilled all these promises. So, Paul is showing us here, church, and I want you to think about this for a moment. Our message, like Paul's, is Christ-centered, right? At All Saints, what we talk about, what we share with other people is centered on the person of Jesus. His incarnation, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it is fixed on him. Amen? We are the people of Christ, but we're also people of the kingdom because to speak about Jesus means that you're speaking about the king. So I want us to think about this. If I can be frank here, sometimes we focus on lesser important things than these two. Do we not? Think about it. Let me just ask, in your prayer life, how focused are you on King Jesus and his kingdom? 
little reality check here. I don't know about you, but I have to get readjusted. I have to go to the Holy Spirit chiropractor and get readjusted. Sometimes my prayer life is not fixed on King Jesus and on the rule and reign of God and the fact that God and Christ are sovereign over all things. Anybody else? And so I want to invite us this morning, not only just as a church, that we would talk about Christ, talk about the kingdom, that our worship, but even in our prayer life, we would focus on Christ Jesus and on the kingdom. We see it, verse 24, look at it. Some were convinced they were listening to Paul and others refused to believe. So his message divided people, didn't it? wait in a moment here and let little baby get satisfied. Is that all right? This is the way it was with Paul and with Jesus. The truth divides people, doesn't it? So friends, as we go out and we carry the message of Christ, we carry the message of the kingdom, it's going to divide people. Some people will say, I'm out. I don't really want to hear anything about that. I'm the Lord of my life. I don't need another Lord, another King. Other people will say, I need the Lord. I need salvation. And so we can expect as we go out into our region, into our state, into the nations of the world, that we too will see that dividing dynamic that happens with the gospel of King Jesus. Let's end with this. Let's look at at the end. I don't know about you, but I found after... Paul quotes from Isaiah, chapter 6. After Paul quotes from Isaiah 6, and he's basically saying, you're not going to hear my message, just like Isaiah shared 750 years before Christ. They didn't listen. They plugged their ears, covered their eyes. This is going to happen with you, and so I'm going to turn 100% and share with the Gentiles. It's unfortunate he shares that, but it was his experience. And then the way this book ends, look at verse 30 again. Paul is living there in Rome for two years. Luke is careful to say here he's not mooching off of anyone, is he? He's worked hard with his own hands. He's provided for himself. He's in a rented quarters. He's got a soldier there guarding, but he has some kind of freedom because he's been such a man of integrity. And we've seen that over and over again. He's not treated like a normal soldier. He's in an apartment. People are coming and visiting him. Verse 31, it's how the book ends. It starts with this and look how it ends. Paul is there welcoming people, being hospitable, proclaiming the kingdom of God. And what's the second thing? teaching them about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I don't know about you, but that's a rather abrupt ending, isn't it? It's like, wait, 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 wait. Is that how the story ends? And Dr. Luke, being a fantastic Holy Spirit-inspired author, is showing that the story isn't over. The story continues through the church. So Paul has spoken about the kingdom of God 
the rule and reign of God breaking in and saving lives that will one day be fully consummated. And he's been teaching about the Lord Jesus and how the church gets to do that for the rest of time until Christ returns. Now, I don't know about you, but anyone think, what happened to Paul? Anybody else? What happened to Paul? Well, we don't know the exact timeline, but we know through some early church fathers that most likely Paul was released and went and preached like a wild man and all the way into the western parts of the empire. And we have an early church father named Clement who wrote in AD 95, he said Paul went all the way to Spain, just like he said he would at the end of Romans. And so he's preaching the gospel for a few more years. And then guess what happened, church? He was arrested again, probably around the year 64. So he had another couple of years of ministry. He was arrested and he was martyred. He was put to death for his faith in Christ by the crazy emperor Nero. Why don't we stand? I've fallen in love even more with this book and I hope that you have. I hope you've appreciated it and that you'll read it in the future. You'll pray it in the future with new eyes, with new passion. And why don't we just end with asking the Lord to help make this a reality for this local church? That we would, Lord, we, we do, we turn to you as a church. And I, I just am inviting you to pray with me on this. Lord, help us be a church that's faithful to this story. Help us to continue the ministry of Jesus by proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about you, Lord Jesus, with all boldness and without hindrance. We thank you for your word. Amen. So I'm gonna ask the ministry team to come up if you would.